This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. Sam Knight is somewhere in a hot air balloon. He'll be back after Labor Day. We're broadcasting out of Piss Town, Washington, D.C. Check out the website districtsentinel.com. Subscribe on patreon.com slash district sentinel to help our little news co-op. You get access to all sorts of bonus content. Plus, you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. It's Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. No newscast today. Instead, there's an interview lined up that Sam and I recorded on Monday before he left town. We discussed last weekend's Antifa actions in Portland with Portland DSA co-chair Olivia Copy-Smith. So I'm going to play that interview, then rejoin you with a few haiku before we call it a day. Enjoy. On Saturday, far-right groups held yet another fascist rally in Portland, Oregon, weeks after their last rally ended with embarrassment. Fascist sympathizing writer Andy No got completely and utterly owned by Antifa, dubiously claiming they gave him a brain hemorrhage from which he crowdfunded hundreds of thousands of dollars with the help of cable news anchors. We're still waiting on a criminal fraud investigation, which may never come. Either way, No's fascist friends tried to get revenge on Saturday by staging yet another rally. Fortunately, that didn't really happen. It sort of happened. The Proud Boys and other far-right groups did meet Saturday in Portland, but they only held a 30-minute rally with heavy police protection in the face of robust left-wing counter-protesters. Heavy police participation. Heavy police participation is what I should say. Either way, not exactly the show of strength they were looking for. Joining us now to discuss this is someone who helped organize counter-protests, Portland DSA co-chair Olivia Catby-Smith, returning for her second appearance on Sentinel Radio. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, coming on. So, first of all, it seemed like this demonstration got more national news coverage in the buildup uh, than normal. As I noted, there was uh, some some pundit class interest because of the whole uh, Andy No incident last time. So uh, what was the approach going into this weekend? Did organizers take a sort of different tack to Saturday than they normally do for these sorts of uh, far-right rallies? Yeah, so um, because it got a lot of national attention because of Andy No, um, I think we were, and especially because of um, the, the mass shootings that have happened recently, I think we were really um, nervous going into this one more so than we have been in the past um, nervous for the possibility of, of real violence happening um, on the part of the the Proud Boys and all their allies. Um, so we um, decided to make the theme um, the spectacle. Um, it was put together by a coalition called Pop Mob, which stands for Popular Mobilization. Um, that's a coalition of a bunch of different groups, um, like activist groups like the DSA, as well as like civil rights groups and other activist groups. Um, that's just really trying to make these rallies fun uh, and make like regular everyday people who maybe don't ever attend protests want to attend. Um, they're trying to like promote the concept of everyday anti-fascism. So if you are against fascism, you are an anti-fascist. Um, so um, this particular protest we had was called the spectacle because we really wanted to make a spectacle of it. So, you know, bring all this joy to counteract their their violent rhetoric and their hate that they're bringing. Um, so there was there was a whole banana block of people dressed up in banana suits. <laughs> um, there was Antifa Waluigi, of course. 
Um, everyone was in costume, um, and it made it like a safer, more fun environment. Um, and then, of course, there was also Rose City Antifa and other people in Black Bloc who were um, willing to be physically closer to the white supremacist protesters and more willing to risk um, physical confrontation should that happen. Um, and I think that's a really important tactic to um, keep people safe and to to turn people out and um, to kind of make it um, look really ridiculous when the president is tweeting, you know, he wants to name us a terrorist organization for showing up to, to counter protest. And then you see this clip of Antifa Waluigi on a pogo stick and like <laughs> bananas playing trumpets. It's like these these are who you want to classify as domestic terrorists um, for showing up to to protest these very violent um, white supremacists. So where uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but where did you all get like three dozen banana suits or however. I, I, don't know. I, I can't give up the secrets of the banana block. <laughs> also did the, did the, uh, did the Waluigi guy call himself one Tifa or that, that joke doesn't really work. I'm sorry. Well, let's just move on. You don't. Have to. <laughs> so how many people would you estimate turned out uh, to the rally? The counter rally. Um, so probably a, about eight to nine hundred on our side, um, and then there were about three hundred on the other side. Um, and of course, the the eight to nine hundred that showed up on our side are all local people who are involved in organizing or just wanted to show up because they don't want fascists in their city. And the vast majority of people on the other side flew in from all around the country to do this. Um, so it's really they're not representative of Portland at all. I think that's a good point, Olivia. Is that these are this was primarily a local action defending the city from people who, as you said, flew in from all around the country. Um, The narrative often in the media around Antifa is that, I mean, even you have the president calling them a terrorist organization. You have people claiming that they instigate the violence, but really the dynamic is self-defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we see it time and time again at these things where Um, I mean, August 4th last year um, was also one that made headlines because the police were so violent and it was for nothing. No one had started anything and they had fired crowd control weapons at someone um, got lodged in someone's skull. Mm. Um, And this was the first time that journalists had actually seen this up close that, you know, the police did this for nothing. Um, And so I think that that also helped, um, you know, change the narrative a little bit because you, you see it like Jake Tapper is always talking about, you know, he's playing, he's playing right into the hands of Trump trying to get these counter protesters classified as terrorists. Um, and you see that a lot repeated in the mainstream media. Um, so yeah, I just want people to know that it's just, it's absurd. These are local, local people doing really good work on the ground in Portland, but because, you know, they, they put a bandana over their face because they don't want to get doxxed by right wingers. Suddenly they're terrorists. And there's an effort to sort of downplay the threat of fascism, but especially in the Portland area, we've seen what happens when fascists are not confronted and actually engage in violence. People have died. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Christian um, was so there's a group here called Patriot Prayer. Um, it's led by Joey Gibson, um, who uh, is, you know, he ran for Senate. He's very right wing. Um, they have a bunch of like defend our freedom rallies. Um, they had a supporter 
Jeremy Christian, who um, went on a rant on uh, one of our trains here um, to two Muslim girls and three men stepped in to defend them. He stabbed them all in the neck. Two of them died. This was in 2017. and he was a supporter of, of these groups that we're still fighting against. So, you know, people tell us, you, if you ignore them, they'll go away. Um, or, you know, they're silly. Don't take them seriously. You're giving them more of a platform. And, and that's not true. We know that we have to take them seriously because we know that it's serious because, you know, it's not a case that it could happen here. It has happened here. Um, and that was after the, the Max stabbings. That was really um, the first time we sort of built a coalition around this. And we've kept it going since then. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have a local organizer, her name is Haley Adams. She, um, was a member of Patriot Prayer and they've of course had a bunch of like splits as these groups do. And now they're calling themselves Portland Liberation, um, which is embarrassing. And, um, you know, she's, she's someone that like is really sort of goofy and people are like, don't take her seriously. Don't show up to protest her. But we know what happens when we don't take people like this seriously you know just because she herself might not commit violence doesn't mean that she's not going to inspire one of her followers to do so and so we have to keep showing up um and not give them free reign over our city and of course the mere uh gathering of these far-right groups um can these can spiral out of control and uh they egg each other on and do awful things obviously we saw it um uh, the the incident you mentioned was was not was away from a rally on public transit the Jeremy Christian uh, uh, multiple killings, but I mean we saw in Charlottesville that these people just get together and egg each other on and do uh, really terrible things. Uh, they also appear to have a lot of support from within the police, as Sam alluded to at the top, and uh, a journalist named Arun Gupta did some good. Uh, summarizing of the problem recently. I I can't remember offhand if it was original reporting, but it was summarizing. And what what was it like on the ground um, on Saturday from 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 where you were? Did did it really seem like, as the saying goes, cops and Klan go hand in hand? I mean, we've seen it every single time we go out to protest that the cops have their backs to the right wing and they are facing us with their weapons pointed at us. Um, they they give them police escorts to their car. They gave Jeremy Christian an escort when he was just a protester before he became a murderer. Um, they 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 want to keep the right wing safe. They want to use you know you can just tell some of them are itching to be able to use their fucking sticks on us. Um, and they have to really control themselves. Um, we had at this protest on Saturday, they had a bunch of other police forces from around the state come in. So there, it, the place was just swarming um, with cops. But because of what happened on August 4th last year, where they got a lot of criticism, um, I think they had to be more restrained. However, they did. So they had closed the bridges around the protests. Um, so there's a river that goes through Portland um, and there are a bunch of bridges um, they had closed the bridges and then they specifically opened one to escort the Proud Boys across when that had been closed to us. Um, and one of them is on video saying, you know, Ted Wheeler is our shitty mayor. Um, and one of them's quoted as saying, oh, maybe Wheeler isn't so bad at all. He opened the bridge just for us. And, you know, that's spot on. Like they they clearly give these right wingers preferential treatment time and time again. Um 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it's very obvious. This was an, uh, their, the proud boy rally was not permitted and yet they still gave them an escort. And I think I saw on social media that later in the day, the cops were threatening to disperse leftist protesters who they said were uh, engaging in a, in a non-permitted rally just to, just to, I, I feel like that, that might sum it up uh, perfectly right there. Yep. And th- that happens every time. And sometimes we do get permits for these things and they decide in the middle of the rally, you know, they come on their terrifying police loudspeaker and say, this is now an unlawful gathering. You have to immediately disperse. Um, so that's why it's kind of pointless for us to get permits. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- that's how it ends every single time. You all out there doing the good work, confronting fascists, inspired um, quite a reaction from an interesting coalition of dipshits online uh, <laughs> from actual Nazis like Richard Spencer to alt-right incels like Ian Miles Chong to uh, edgelord so-called leftists to upper-class uh, liberal hipster podcasters. Uh, Glenn Greenwald was even uh, tweeting some snark uh, about it all. <laughs> what do you make of this coalition of people? What 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 is the glue that holds them all together to have such mockery of what you all did this weekend? I mean, I think that they they want to dunk on us for being dorks, uh, but they they also want to use every every opportunity they can, especially for people like Ian Miles Strong. Uh, to slip in a little misogyny, a little sexism. Yeah. Uh, Ian's followers were treating rape jokes about me. Um, and in the in the sort of, you know, per, the people who purport to be leftists, like Glenn Greenwald and the Red Scare people, um, I think, you know, yeah, they think we're like LARPers, uh, which is really rich coming from people who literally spend every waking second of their <laughs> lives on fucking podcasts and tweeting about podcasts. And, um, you know, they they can call us nerds. That's fine. Uh, God forbid we actually protest fascism and have some fucking fun while we do it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, I think these people have no experience with this kind of direct action. There's a strategy behind the costume tactic, like I mentioned, to keep all of us safe and to bring more people out and, and for optics as well. And either they know that and they just want to talk shit, um, or they want to have an ironic detachment to stuff like this because they're uncomfortable with the fact that they aren't actually doing anything to confront fascism. You know, being, being pro Medicare for all doesn't absolve you. Uh, so if, if you want to call us LARPers because that helps you sleep at night, whatever, you know, that's fine. We sleep at night because we know that we are anti-fascists and we ran the fascists out of our city on Saturday. It's it's a it's a two part struggle against the actual fascists who are coming into your city. And then it's the struggle to convince people who on other issues claim to be on the left, uh, ostensibly uh, style themselves as socialists or leftists. But. Uh, refuse to believe that there's any sort of problem when it comes to rising fascism in the U.S. I've got the dog fired up now over this. Yeah. (laughs) My dogs are very against fascism. Um, Yeah, I mean, we see that when, um, like, our mayor considers himself a progressive, which is hilarious. Um, And our mayor is nowhere to be found during these actions. Our elected leaders are nowhere to be found, you know, um, union leaders, everyday people, all the businesses downtown are closed. They give, uh, these fascists are given free reign to use Portland as their playground while the police roll out the fucking red carpet for them. 
Um, so our mayor had a press conference a couple days before Saturday where he gathered a bunch of union leaders and nonprofit leaders and got this broad coalition to come out to say like vague shit about like we should love each other and unity um, and basically not encouraging people to protest on Saturday. And that was a grave mistake. That is signaling to the fascists that when you come to town, all this broad coalition, they're not going to be there. They're not going to oppose you except on Twitter. You know, they're going to tweet they don't like white supremacy. Um, but actually when they're here, when the fascists are here, all those people are going to be hiding and, you know, let this small group of anti-fascists go get beat up by the fascists or the cops. So you can't say you oppose fascism and then not show up to oppose fascism. Put your money where your mouth is. And if, like, if our mayor brought that same coalition out on Saturday, if he had mobilized them, they had mobilized their union members, their staff and their supporters, you know, if we had 20,000, 30,000 people in the streets, these fascists would never come back. They come back because they want to fight and they can find one easily with this small group that shows up to protest them because no one else comes out and because the police are on their side. So uh, rounding off the conversation, this is something that uh, was, I think, touched upon earlier, um, but... Well, you sort of became a meme <laughs> uh, after the protest for, for people like Ian Miles Strong and the Red Scare Grifters. Uh, they were talking specifically about you. And I, I just wanted to know uh, what what that was like, um, if, if, if you felt like talking about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think, you know, these people are sexist, misogynist, and um, they, they're trying to find every way possible to dunk on us because our, our uh, direct action that they're not participating in makes them feel uncomfortable. And I mean, you see it happen with AOC, too. Um, people can't resist uh, making some rape threats to a, a, a politically active woman who happens to be wearing red lipstick. Um, this is not the first time this has happened to me. Um, but it, you know, it kind of blew up more than it ever has before. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really bother me that much because I know what I'm doing and I know why I'm out there and, um, it's not my fault if some dorks who spend all their day, all their day on Twitter, um, want to talk shit. Olivia Catby Smith, the co-chair of Portland DSA. You can follow her on Twitter at live kitty cat. And uh, anything else you want to plug or mention real quick while, while we have you here? Socialism will win. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> Olivia, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Olivia. It's now time for some poetry. All new subscribers on patreon.com slash district sentinel get their own haiku. This first one goes out to Brendan. The Great Elephant pays no matter to its steps it just squashed a fox thank you brendan next up is for sarah at future beach days burned under a cloudless sky jellies own the sea thank you sarah this is for evil chiba hangs over the bed evil eye wards off the ghosts like Barbara Bush's. Thank you, evil Chiba. Finally, this goes out to Bert. God made all the dirt. Doesn't mean dirt is godly, just God is dirty. Thank you, Bert. 
And again, thank you to all the new subscribers on patreon.com slash district sentinel. Almost done with this backlog of poetry. If you haven't heard your haiku yet, it'll be on tomorrow's show. But that will do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to all the subscribers out there. Tune in for tomorrow's show. Sam Knight will not be here, but we did record an interview with journalist and FOIA extraordinaire, Ken Klippenstein, the better of the Krasenstein brothers and the destroyer of Harry Cherry. You won't want to miss that. Tune in. That is coming out on tomorrow's show. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.